In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I have a special guest. And in this episode, we are going to discuss the strength of Kalel Ware. And is he still worth a lottery pick or even a first-round pick despite his lack of production? Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my guest today, I call him NBA Draft Mikey V, but he is Michael Weisenberg from Pro Insight. And what exactly is your your role at, at Pro Insight? I know you're like the man there and all that, but what exactly I, is your role there? Uh, it's called Basketball Information Specialist. And basically, I'm just trying to know as much as I possibly can about basketball prospects. And, and so it's a lot of it's scouting. It's media. It's um, we have a giant database full of information on players. And I'm just trying to get as much of a picture of a player as possible. And you definitely have a lot of insight. That's why I have you on. But before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, Clearware. So I'll give you my thoughts. Coming into the season, I had him as a lottery pick. I was definitely a wear over Derek Lively guy. I thought that he was going to be a little bit more productive. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit more. I thought he was going to be a lot more productive than he has been. And he's not playing like I thought. He's actually not even starting. And I wanted to get your insight because you are there in Oregon and you've been around him from what was you at the was it McDonald's or no um Hoop Summit? I was Nike Hoop Summit, yes sir. Hoop Summit. Um, I know you were very very high on him yes. coming into the season. So, in your opinion, why is he not playing as much as I, I would assume most people thought he would? Um, I think there. Are- is a very good reason for that. And, you know, people look at, at a player like Kalelware and see him as, you know, a fantastic um, physical tools, athletic tools, his shooting touch. Um, he has a lot going for him. The big issue seems to be that Oregon right now has another former five-star center who is finally healthy this year in, in Folly Dante, who's playing really, really well. And they did start off the year trying to get him minutes. Like, I, I think th- there were a lot of factors. There were tons of injuries with Oregon early on. They were just trying to find the right kind of fit with the roster. Um, they, they usually go small at the four. So when they were, they did play Nathan Biddle against Arizona, but for the most part, they've been playing Quincy Garrier, which the four has been by far his best position um, just to try and maybe get like a little more shooting on the floor um, and a little more defensive versatility as the three seven footers that they have on the roster all 
our best at the center position. Um, so yeah, th that was definitely part of it. And then I think with where he did have some injuries early on and he had some things that he really needed to learn as a basketball player, like just in terms of that, those raw fundamentals, um, just, you know, being more consistent in terms of box outs. And I think some players like need to learn how to play hard, need to learn, you know, when to kind of, you know, take those moments, um, you know, try and go for that block on defense. Um, and, and with the other thing with Kalel is like, his foul rate is surprisingly low for, uh, a, you know, a big man, a, a, like just in general. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the foul rate, the rebound rate, like, you know, you want to see him out there getting to the fouls and, and being able to get into foul trouble now that Oregon has all their, uh, their players back. Um, so yeah, I, I think he, he had some fundamentals that he needed to work on and then he has some players in front of him who have been playing really well. I guess in a sense, I kind of from the old school, right? You know, back in it makes me sound really old, but recently, I mean, there were times, you know, Marvin Williams comes to mind, but recently you're starting to see guys end up getting drafted strictly off the the promise and the potential outside of of their production, and you know, this is a case where if he ends up going first round, he's playing 20 minutes a game, doesn't start. And he is, I mean, it was average like eight points and four rebounds or something like that. Eight points, four and a half rebounds. 1.6 yeah. blocks in 20 minutes is pretty good. Yeah. Now, now, coming into the season, I read some of my notes. I had him, and this is, I mean, totally before he played a college game. I had him, this is just my notes, seven-footer, excellent size and length, massive wingspan, good touch around the basket, vertical lob thread. He's agile. Thought he had a you know pretty strong lower frame, um, good shoulders, finishes around the rim, quick second jump, good rebounder, good hands, crashes the offensive glass, and can run the floor. My concerns were he had no left hand, no post moves, and um, I felt like he did have promise as a shooter, but I felt like the shooting wasn't consistent. And my biggest concern was the motor doesn't always run. So when I talked to a scout that was really familiar with him, one of the things that he mentioned was he felt like the motor is inconsistent. And he said, even playing high school ball with Nick Smith, his motor wasn't always hot because he felt like if he wasn't getting touches down, you know, every few trips down the floor, his motor didn't run. Mm -hmm. So before we get into that, like, what are your thoughts on, on like my notes? Do you, is there anything like you totally agree with or, or totally disagree with? And then uh, what are your thoughts on the motor? I think you, you nailed a lot of like what the good and the things to worry about with, with Khalil. Like, I, I think the motor is very hit and miss. Like, you know, he, sometimes he just doesn't play with the the energy, you know, you would really want from him. Um, especially like in those limited minutes where, you know, he knows he has a, a certain amount of time where he can really go out and run. Um, it, and yeah, it, it seems like he just at times isn't in, even in the position to get the ball a much like, you know, you kind of need to work for it. Like, like a game where that, that really stood out was Houston. 
where he took one field goal the entire game and, and got to the foul line, I think, once um, for two free throws. But, yeah, he, like, just a lot of times wasn't even in the vicinity of the ball or in good position. And I, I think some of that is strength. Yeah. Um, you know, he, de he definitely needs to add that. Um, and just finding the way to get in those, those good spots, like, you know, getting downhill, getting to be that lob threat. Um, he's still kind of figuring that out. And I, I've, I think still kind of figuring out positioning on the floor floats on the perimeter a lot, um, needs to recognize matchups at times. Also like the, the game against UCLA, I remember he was being guarded by Tiger Campbell and he was at the three point line. Like what are we doing here? Yeah. So yeah, there are just have been those instances where he started off like I, I felt like his first three games, he looked really good. He he was really active, and then it's been pretty hit and miss since then. Um, and a lot of the times, it's just him going through periods where he's not really doing like a ton on the floor. He's he's not setting those screens. He's not getting in position to get the ball. Um, so yeah, of course you you'd like to see that um, become a little more consistent. But my big thing with him is when you have that size, you have the touch, and you have the athleticism, the learning curve can usually kind of shrink. So th that, that I, I would say, is the ultimate hope. And I, I think that's a huge part of uh, why he, he still is considered uh, to be the, the level of draft prospect that he is. Yeah, I, I have so many more questions for you. When we return, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on was Oregon the best fit for him? But before mm -hmm. that, I want to talk to the audience about prize picks. And if you're wondering what prize picks is, you just pick two to six players and you decide if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There is no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you want to watch: NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, WNBA. They even have cricket, and the entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It is that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals, and it is currently operational in over thirty states and Canada. So download the Prize Pick app. Or go to prizepicks.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit 50 bucks, Prize Picks will give you 50. If you deposit 100, Prize Picks will give you 100. But do not forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow, with Michael Weisenberg. I call him NBA Draft Mikey V. That is his Twitter handle. And we're talking about Khalil Ware, somebody that he is very familiar with. He is um, a big Oregon fan. He also is a basketball information specialist. He knows a lot about every prospect and when i say he knows a lot about prospects i'm not talking about the nba draft he goes to like middle school tournaments like he knows middle schoolers and eighth graders and and i mean just it's 
it's a lot of information. It's a lot of information. I, I don't I don't know how you do it. I I mean I may go eleventh grade, twelfth grade, yep. and then college. The middle school, it's that that's a whole different beast there. All right, so let's talk about where choosing the University of Oregon. I am, and this is probably like the older me talking, right? If I were I mean, of course, if I were 18 or 19 or whatever, I'm pretty sure when I was choosing a school, I'd be choosing it off of how well my visit went and, you know, maybe in this day and age, the NIL and and whoever the coach that I had the best relationship with. But I feel like if you're a big, you need to go to a situation where, you know, you're going to get developmental minutes, especially if, in his case, if you're a McDonald's All-American. You, you, you want to go somewhere where you know you're going to get, where you're going to be the man in a sense, and somewhere that has very, very good guard play to where you are going to get plenty of touches. And even if it's just not touches, um, you're going to get, you're going to, you have a point guard that can make a post entry pass or throw a lob or whatever. And just on the outside looking in, not saying Oregon's guard play is 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 bad. I know there's been some injuries, but the situation where he's going to a team that already had a starting center to me from the jump, I thought that was pretty weird. What are your thoughts on that? I think that he probably assumed that the starting center might not be bad. Um, I think he also came in during the time where they had a point guard prospect at one point that he thought he was maybe going to be playing with as well. Um, those are two factors that, you know, mm-hmm. just, uh, I, I don't think you necessarily would know at the time. Um, but we're, we're also seeing like, you know, a guy who is playing with uh, a point guard who you would think like uh, would meet all that criteria in uh, a Dembona is has had his own struggles as well. Yep. Um so yeah, like you really you never know, man. It, it's just uh fit is uh it's it's not really something you can always predict. Um but yeah, in, in terms of if Oregon was the best possible fit for him, I'm sure there would be schools that would have given him more time, more touches, um had shooting more conducive conducive to give him the the spacing necessary that uh Oregon has not had for the most part this season um but yeah I I I think considering my my other thing is that I I don't know this could have changed at at a time but I remember looking over a lot of past NBA centers and how they played early on in college mm-hmm. and it took a lot of them a lot of time. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you have obviously the Carl Anthony towns and the, and uh, the Anthony Davises, and, you know, if he considers himself a center um, and, you know, you, you have some of those players like DeMarcus cousins, like right away, you know, the, the super talented ones right off the bat. Yep. But it, it does, it can take some time and, I remember with some centers, like it just, it would be that kind of like middle of the season flip. Um, now I, I think with, with Kalel that could certainly happen also, 
But um, for, and I, the other thing I see is that a lot of people have talked about how early on he was playing some power forward, but that hasn't happened for quite a while. Yeah. So he's kind of just been sharing minutes. Now, do I think he could play power forward at Oregon as well as some of the other options? Yes. I, I think he he's like, if you, you kind of look at it, how everything's gone so far, like you could argue he's kind of been like their third, like kind of option to an extent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think that, uh, I think people had maybe higher expectations for him than they, they should have. And I, I'm not sure how much of that is on him and I'm not sure how much of that is on Oregon. Now, do you think that is fair? I do feel like, you know, if you are McDonald's all American and especially if you're like a, a seven footer and you show shooting potential, and a lot of upside, there's going to be a lot of talk about you going to the NBA draft. And I think as the media, as a person that's part of the media, and I guess I can be part of the blame for it too, especially mm -hmm. when I have to do a podcast five times a week. I need content to talk about. And coming into mm -hmm. the season, I talked about him and, and Lively a lot. Mm -hmm. While I didn't talk a lot about Noah Clowney who's playing really well, who I think yeah. could end up being drafted ahead of them. But I also feel like as a member of the media, um, we can put extra um, expectations on, on a kid. And that's something that I'm I'm really kind of torn about, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm like, this kid is raw, but I think that he has the potential to be a first-round pick then it's like if he doesn't show numbers right away, you can end up being disappointed. And then I also feel in, in the case of like high school rankings, there are times where players can be ranked really, really high. And then the higher they're ranked, the higher they end up being on draft boards. And now you put these expectations on, especially with bigs, to where they really kind of look like failures in a sense if they – don't come in and start and be a one and done and average a double-double. So with all that mm -hmm. being said, um, if you were advising where, what is your move after the season is over? Do you return to school? Or do you, I mean, obviously you probably would test the waters, but like, do you need a certain guarantee before you say, okay, I'm leaving? Obviously, I, I think you would want a first-round guarantee. Um is there a range? Say, is there a range like? No, I would just say first round. Yeah. Okay. Like to me, that that seems good. You have the the four year guarantee. You, like you know, you would like to have your choice of team, of course. But um, I think as as we see, like I think a lot of the picks near the end of the first round have been traded to teams that might not necessarily be contenders. So you could possibly even get some early minutes there, or or be in a situation where they you know want to play young players. Um, but yeah, I, like, I don't know, man, I, I'm always a, a big, like player's choice kind of person. Yeah. So yeah, if, if I were consulting for him, I, I would say do whatever you feel is best for you. Um, but remember he's I, like I, 18 I, or 19. Is, so yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, they yeah. need, he turns 19 on, on April 20th. I, I know yeah. that he, he's very young and I'm sure he has people around him who uh, are advising him as well. I, I know his mom retweets everything about him. So she's, you know, been a, a very big part there. Um, 
but yeah i i just uh i don't know man like i yeah it, it's it's really tough to to advise and uh i think you know just keep all of those options open uh, yeah i think um, the, the, the yeah nil is a game changer and, and so i think you know you you want you definitely want a, a, a guarantee your first round guarantee but then it's like i would say at 20 anything else you're like okay it, it, mm. Can get tricky because yeah. it can get tricky. Then you could end up falling second round, which you know I think he'd be considered a prospect that would still get a a guaranteed contract as a second round pick. But I would yeah. say in the top in the top twenty, that's where I would feel like if everybody says I'm top twenty, which you know you take that with a grain of salt, I'd feel a little bit comfortable. Yeah. But if they're like anywhere from twenty to thirty, that's that's very risky, especially when you consider that. I mean, Oregon is a school that has money. There's NIO money. Um, mm. There is a um, probably more playing time next year at, oh, at Oregon. Sure. Yeah, and we think and, Dante's gone. Yeah, so that would that would be something that I, I would definitely consider. But yeah, if I were a betting man, if I had to put money on it, I imagine he would go to the to the NBA draft. All right. When we return, I want to talk about your thoughts on him as an NBA prospect, his best case scenario, and what are his strengths. But I got to talk to you about Built Bar, because if you are looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. It is the start of the year. And I know a lot of people want to eat healthier, but if you want to eat healthier and you don't want to compromise the taste that you got to try a Built Bar because with Built Bars, healthy is actually tasty. And what makes Built Bars so good is that they are covered with 100% real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I don't know how they do it, but they find a way to make this, this protein bar taste like a candy bar. It's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. But the cool thing, in 2023 is that before, and we've been talking about Built Bars ever since I've been on the Locked On Network, you had to go to Built.com. But now you can get a Built Bar at Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. You can go get one at Walmart, Sam's Club. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puff. And if you are near a Sam's Club, you can actually get a box of 13. But if you still want to order, go to Built.com. All right, once again... Last segment, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is Rafael Barlow with Michael Weisenberg, NBA Draft Mikey V, the basketball information specialist. That Ooh. sounds really important, man. <laughs> sounds... sounds more important than it probably is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're going to middle school showcases, that's pretty that's pretty important. Hey, wherever they're gonna have me, I, I'm happy. I, I got you. Totally. I get it. All right, so where all right, do you have a comparison like or or a few players that come to mind that you think that he could project to be like? Man, that is planted on the spot. Oh yeah, it's the hot seat. Uh oh, it's always. Um, I don't know. I the guy that <laughs> I know this is kind of crazy, but DeAndre Jordan is like at least from like in Hassan Whiteside, I guess would be another like, cause Hassan was shooting threes when he was in college too. 
just like that kind of level of that type of body, that type of athlete, um, you know, even like a JaVel McGee, like, you know, somebody like that. Um, and I, I think there's an even higher upside of, of him, like being a viable shooter at the NBA level. Um, I, just seeing him shoot in, in practice as often as I have and, and just like, it's looking good. It's going in. Uh, they're working on on just like the nuances and footwork with him. Um, but yeah, like I, I I think he he could be that type of guy around the basket. Um, but yeah, the, the big factor is going to be uh, his adding strength. But I, I think he has the frame to certainly do that. Uh, do you think that he is just going to be a rim runner and potential floor spacer? Or do you think that there is promise for him to be a guy that you can give the ball to in a block and exploit a mismatch? Like you mentioned, he had um, Tiger Campbell on him, but do you think he has the the footwork and skill to be able to exploit those mismatches down the road? Yeah, that, that's still yet to be determined. Uh, he certainly hasn't done it a ton. Um, yeah. Like, as much like I, I think as you very well know, like very few people in the NBA at the center position like really take advantage of post-ups. Yep. And like have a, a really high efficiency in, in that position. Um the NBA for the most part is like moving away from that or like trying to give it to a player like Luka Doncic or Kevin Durant who can take advantage of that. Even like an Andrew Wiggins, I know does really well in, in post-up situations. But um, yeah, to me, he's he's more of that, like you, you want him as a cutter, you want him as the lob threat. And then to take advantage of like having him either as somebody that could be in the pick and roll or the pick and pop um, more so than I, I would think uh, be, being the a, a post-up kind of guy. Um, because I we just haven't seen a lot of like efficiency there so far, and he does have a tendency to kind of fade away rather than uh, go into contact. Even though his free throw rate's been pretty solid, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that I, I've noticed with not just him but a lot of bigs. Like a lot mm-hmm. of bigs don't have a hook. Like mm-hmm. one of my pet peeves is seeing that because I think I'm a big man myself. I, I think if mm-hmm. I could like. Rasheed Wallace was like my favorite player. <laughs> so, um, but he didn't necessarily have a hook. But I, I see like bigs get an offensive rebound, right? And when they get an offensive rebound, instead of like, if they can't dunk it, instead of like powering it up and just shooting a soft touch hook, it turns into like a fadeaway jumper. Yeah. And when it goes in, it looks good. But when it misses, you just look soft, right? You just look like you are afraid of contact. And you don't want to, yeah, you just like you, you're you're afraid of contact and you're soft, for lack of a better term. Yeah. All right, defensively, like, mm-hmm. do you think that is his, his greatest strength and his asset that he could bring to a team? Yeah, he, he seems to move pretty well there. Um, positioning is going to be a big factor. And, like, I, I would say just general awareness, like off ball, um, but yeah, he, he's been a, a really solid rim protector, uh, block rate really high. Um, and like, you know, can do so, some stuff from the weak side as well. Not amazing when you put him, um, on smaller players, 
Uh, I think that was one of the reasons why his fitted power forward was not uh, ideal. But he is somebody that like certainly has a lot of tools there and and certainly has some timing as a, a shot blocker. You, you'd like to see him be a better defensive rebounder. And I, I think that's something that he's he's been focusing on lately. Just like I noticed that the box outs are a lot more solid. And, uh, you know, he's he's been even like drawing like over the back fouls just by being in that the right position and focusing on those fundamentals. All right, this is kind of like a two-part question. What team do you think would be the best fit for him? And um, do you think that the motor, and to me, that's like the biggest question mark about him. Nobody's ever denied his talent. It's always consistently is the motor. Do you think that's something that can be fixed or brought out of him? Or do you think he would need like, the perfect situation where he has like, and I, this is just an example, like a Chris Paul type guard that is going to be in his ear and, and that knows how to make sure that he is getting his, his touches. I really do not know the answer to like, if somebody can fix his motor, I kind of, I'm somebody that usually gives prospects a lot of the times, as far as that's concerned, like the benefit of the doubt, especially if they have physical talent. Um, but yeah, that that's going to be just something that I think teams are going to to really need to uh, figure out themselves. Um, I think even like you know, I went to the Mavericks uh, Blazers game tonight. I I think him playing with a guy like Luka Doncic would be really good for him. Um, I think that, uh, like it would be nice to to have some veteran leadership and, and some people like obviously have like a great point guard or have a a great facilitator that, um, knows how to get him the ball in in the, the right situations. Um, or even like even a golden state, like, I I just think that'd be really interesting. Like, you know, you, he, he's not James Wiseman, of course, but like he has, he's somebody that you could get for a lot cheaper who does like maybe quite a few of the same things yeah. uh, while having like that physical talent. Um, yeah, man, like I, I just think that he he's a really interesting uh, in terms of, the, of that ability to, to possibly stretch the floor. Um, even, even somebody that you need to worry about, like, in mid-range like I don't I wouldn't call him like a three-level scorer and don't think he's going to be taking tons of those shots and I know NBA teams don't want him probably taking tons of those shots but he's done really well with touch shots it's just kind of been the strength around the basket that's led to I think his low shooting percentage thus far what about Portland in a developmental role um I I would really like it yeah (laughs) I, I I would think it would be cool like I just does a lot of those things and then like has that greater uh potential um as a i i'd say a defensive presence as a a rim protector um yeah i I, the blazers have like some kind of cool young pieces right now like i shaden looks really good um jabbar walker like in his minutes uh has been solid Um, can never question his motor yeah 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 
Yeah, V12 would be would be somebody <laughs> like great to you know uh, take Khalil under his wing too. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much. Where can the listeners find you and your work? At NBA Draft Mikey V is uh, on my Twitter, and then www.perspectiveinsight.com underscore pro insight for our Twitter and our Instagram um, had a lot of great stuff happening uh, just before the end of the new year. Uh, we have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, so if you want to check out the perspective insight, YouTube um, have a lot of interviews, including one with uh, Kalelware that we did very recently uh, after the Utah game um, and where I, I think he had a couple three pointers in that one. And then um, uh, recently got to see a like this would be a player who I think could help Oregon right now, but if he wanted to be uh, stay for another year, they're getting a, a point guard named Jackson Shellstad, who I think is a possible McDonald's All American and should at least be in contention if not on the team, um, and is somebody that's going to help Oregon right away had one of the best Decembers I've seen a, a high school player have in beating national teams. So wanted to give him a shout out and shout out to Infali Dante too, who I think is like greatly helped his stock and just had a fantastic game against Arizona and Umar Balo and, uh, and Azulis Tubelis. Shout out to Leonard Miller. Who's always representing pro insight. Heck yes. <laughs> Big shout oh, out to Leonard. <laughs> Every time I've seen him, he has a pro insight shirt on. I saw him uh in, in Vegas when they played Wimbayama. And then every time like I follow like the G League uh, site and they show like the G League league fits, he always has a, a pro insight shirt. Love Leonard. Yeah. We got him uh, we got him his own pro insight shirt with his logo on the side. So yeah, Leonard's definitely a guy that uh we really like. Gotcha. All right, well, well, thank you so much. And thank you for making the Locked on NBA Big World podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out the Game to Game podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked on Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow the Game to Game podcast on the Locked on NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, NBA Draft Mikey V. 